0: Gary and I are in the studio alone this week, but have no fear, we are alone together to discuss how your Tennessee Republican majority is introducing bills to take away your life, your liberty, and your property. The FAA is back in the news, this time for allowing more pilots with heart damage to fly you safely about the country. And we expose how the shift to electric vehicles has so diminished gas tax revenues that the government is now going to be watching you every mile you drive. My name is Kevin Cookagee and with my good friend Gary Humble, this is the Freedom Matters Podcast. And the
1: night goes by so very slow. Oh, yes. You know why I'm playing this? Love it. No, I, I don't. I'm not gonna even try to guess. Really? Because you and I are here alone today. <laughs> yeah, let's let it go <laughs> That's a little awesome. bit. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, that takes me back. Now, how old were you?
0: Look at that. We got Gary singing a track. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so, um. So our listeners aren't totally confused. We were supposed to have uh, a couple of guests. One guest had to reschedule, and the substitute guest we were going to have, which we will have definitely, couldn't fill in fast enough, so Gary and I are here alone, together alone. (laughs) Together alone. Alone. I like that. Yeah. Gary, that was good singing. Uh, People that may not know, Gary is a worship leader, and so he sang that right on... Right on key.
1: Yeah, I had to get up in my uh, my falsetto <laughs> over there a little bit. That's that's a, that's getting up there. That
0: was good. So where were you when that song was That was like 1980s. Oh, that was 80s, so yeah. Right? So
1: I was, you know, first grade. <laughs> I was in I was
0: halfway through college. I think that was about the time I was meeting my wife.
1: I remember all these 80s songs like, you know, I'm just I'm a kid. I'm I always it, it puts me back in the car with my mom like just driving to the grocery store or something, all these songs are playing. By the way, as a seven, six, seven-year-old, in a, in an old Plymouth Duster, in the front seat, because back then, yeah. um, you know, you didn't have to sit in the back seat and <laughs> car seats and all that. You were just in the front seat with your mom. <clears throat> Did you have a seatbelt on? Um I, I don't even think that car had seatbelts.
0: <laughs> yeah, so we had... Most of what I drove in growing up, rode in, was station wagons because we had six children. I was one of six. And I remember standing on what we called the hump, which was over the drive shaft between the front and back of the car. And it had this little hump on it, and it always got very hot. But it gave you extra height so you could look over the front bench. And it was before they had captain seats as kind of a rule in cars. Right. So I remember standing up over that. Well, there was an account where my younger sister one time was standing on the hump when my parents hit a deer. And so it was a pretty violent, nobody, nobody got hurt, but it destroyed the front of the car. And my sister was, you know, kind of tumbled around in the car because she wasn't seat belted in and she was on the hump. Because nobody, it just wasn't expected, right? You just, we we used to free float in the back of the car. We used to like make forts and camps and sleeping bags for long trips in the, in what we called the way back of the, of the station wagon. We, we lived on the edge. (laughs) We really did. I'm sure, I'm sure persecuted Christians or military guys would think that's right. (laughs) We lived on the edge by floating around the back of cars. That's right. That's right. So, um, I always have a stack of things that we can talk about, but I don't want to um, impede any ideas that you might have to get started, Gary. I've got plenty of things to go to
1: oh no i'm I'm always I'm always ready for whatever you got. I you know I would just say we I literally I'm telling you these past two weeks i'm I'm shocked they're not coming out a little bit more fast and furious. I don't want to overplay my hand. It's not like I'm spending days and nights because honestly the bills are not we are up to. At last count, and I've read every one of them. By the way, well, all the abstracts. I've I've skimmed. Every.
0: Everybody's glad that you've done that.
1: I've, I've skimmed because every we one don't have to. There, there's 306 bills in the Senate oh, and 333 man. bills in the House, um, and they're only
0: about half done, right?
1: Well, I mean, those numbers should be about a thousand. So, and the bill filing deadline in the House is uh, January 31st. So a week away. So next week should be like insane, really. But. My point is, um, I've been, you know, looking through all of those and we're creating a tracking spreadsheet where we're getting ready to start putting out information to all of you who are following us. So so please, 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 please make sure that you and uh, your mom, your dad, your brothers, your sisters, all your friends are subscribed to our emails at TennesseeStands.org because we will be putting out a lot of information on bills that you can take action on and all of these things. That's how email is primarily how we get that out. But what we haven't seen yet, though they're on the radio talking about it and I, I got I got a little fired up I'm just gonna say it I got a little fired up today uh, about Jack Johnson, you know who I ran against state Senate and actually actually and I'm just you know I mean I''m I'm, I'm just saying it right because I'm not holding it back anymore. I all of these freaking Republicans in the state of Tennessee for years I said this in an event a couple of weeks ago if you are a Republican, and you run for office in Tennessee there's one there's a box you got to check it's the first box you got to check and you got to stand on it like your life depends on it it's being pro life mm-hmm. and they raise money on it you know and everybody's pro life and we're going to defend the unborn and of course you know here in Tennessee uh in 2019 we passed a trigger bill uh that pending Roe v Wade Uh, abortions are completely banned with no exceptions, except in the very narrow exception of the life of the mother. Well, post-Roe v. Wade, that bill went into effect officially August 25th, 2022. So my point in all of this is we are literally six months in of having this legislation on the books. By the way, I think I'm okay saying this, the strongest pro-life legislation on the books Mm -hmm. in the country. And already, Kevin, I mean, we for we were six months in on defense already. Jack Johnson, well, the Speaker of the House mm. has already gone public right. saying he's open to making concessions for rape or incest. Jack Johnson, I think it was this morning or yesterday, was on the Tennessee Star report saying, uh, you know, he's he's willing to quote unquote clarify the bill because uh, because a group of doctors has asked him to. <laughs> A group of doctors. Yeah. <clears throat> the doctors are feeling the heat too much. They they might get prosecuted if they provide an abortion. So
0: you mentioned this to me earlier, and I had this question, which I'll raise for our audience. Do you think, Gary, that Jack would have a similar response if maybe his constituents, maybe those who have had their businesses shut down or who were forced to take a shot in order to work— federal contractor or otherwise, or forced to wear a mask uh, in order to get groceries. I remember Jack telling me in twenty early twenty twenty one when I raised that issue because there it was it was a potential that grocery stores were going to not allow us to, to buy bread. To buy bread <laughs> unless we wore a mask. However, Jack assured me, but Kevin, he said you can still get curbside delivery. Right. As if that was an acceptable reply. And you could tell in his reply that he really thought mm-hmm. that that was an acceptable response. Um, of course, the steam came out of my ears at the other end of that email. So I am curious whether Jack would have the same response to constituents on other issues if we raised them. And he said, well, would he be re- willing to clarify these other pieces of legislation pursuant to a regular, ordinary what what were called for a long time, non-essentials, right? The non-essentials in business. In fact, I would go so far as to say the fact that he would listen to doctors, does that suggest that you and I and other people with ordinary jobs are non essential so that our opinions about legislation being clarified don't matter?
1: Well, well of course, Kevin, because you're not, you're not part of Vanderbilt that has bought and paid for the legislature. See, that's the problem yep. you face.
0: So that sounds like it's a—what's uh, what, that reference to Jerry Maguire—
1: so that's what you're saying, Gary? <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I'm saying. And so anyway, I, I, and I emailed, you know, and I'll just, I'll close it here, but I, I emailed the folks at Tennessee Right to Life because, you know, they they sent me their form and, you know, whatever to to get their endorsement. Of course, come to find out their, their policy, Tennessee Right to Life's policy is, and I, I want to make this statement because this is important. Their policy is that as long as an incumbent has never voted against pro-life legislation in the past. The incumbent automatically gets their endorsement. So the the, the challenging candidate didn't even have a shot. Now, I told them, I was like, look, I, I hear you. You should really think about that policy because no one is going to go into the state Senate and fight harder than I will uh, for pro-life legislation to defend the unborn. And, oh, we got it. We got it. So they they decided even though I, I ranked 100% on their questionnaire and had a, they decided to endorse Jack. Well, now that same organization is one of the lone organizations fighting to keep the trigger bill intact. Mm-hmm. And their primary opponent now is Jack Johnson, who they endorsed. And do I, they
0: rec- Have they recognized that yet? No, they, they?
1: they haven't. Right. haven't. But... Uh, you know, but that's but that's where we are. And so I, I would also say to every organization out there that that's running a pack or or you're you're making endorsements or you're, you know, whatever, and you've got a public voice that these decisions you make to endorse candidates, they matter. Mm-hmm. They matter. It, and, it, and it might not matter this year. It might not matter next year. But but the message to the Republican Party is and everyone who cares about these values you have got to start endorsing and backing people that you know when the when the time comes will fight against all odds for what is right because if you don't you're going to get bit at some
0: point i had never heard that before it seems like an odd set of circumstances for an organization to make such clear-cut i would call them pre-rules as to who they're going to endorse as to whom they're going to endorse it seems to preclude The issue, the issue becomes secondary, right? There's support of a certain political candidate because he he or she has never voted against legislation, therefore they're going to always endorse them. It sounds like a policy that's been created around protecting incumbents rather than actually advancing their issue.
1: Well, that policy, again, it's stated on their form to candidates, and uh, coincidentally— Another candidate they endorsed, Senator Richard Briggs, uh, out of Knoxville, is a senator who is now going to, so he says, sponsor legislation to make exceptions for rape or incest. So two of their endorsements have become their primary opponents. Uh, again, like I said earlier, let me not I'm not laying all this on Tennessee Right to Life. I'm also laying this on these legislators. I mean, Republicans can't even defend life for six months. Mm-hmm. Six months, Kevin. We're in this for six months. But we were, you know, when Roe v. Wade was in effect, and we, you know, quote unquote, couldn't do anything. Oh, we were all we were the talk of the town. Oh yeah, oh, we're going to fight. Oh, we're going to stop this in Tennessee. We're going to stand for life. But the moment you actually can stand for life, because the federal government has pulled out, so so to speak, of the conversation, you fold.
0: You know what it reminds me of? <clears throat> I think a perfect analogy is. So we're still in January, right? And yet. Most of the people who have gone to the gym starting January
1: 2nd, oh, with their out. New Year's resolution, they,
0: they were out by January 15th. We used to see that. I, I work out at home now, but...
1: Um, okay, I'm, I'm going to be... I've done that before, Kevin. I'm just going to be honest. Well, I haven't. I'm, and, and I'm part of that group. <laughs>
0: my my son and I, and and at different times, friends of mine have talked about that. It's my sister talks about it. It gets really, really crowded for the first week to 10 days always the new year's resolution but at first it used to really bother me but after year after year after year it was so consistent that by the time you get to the middle of january it all clears out and it's right back to normal everybody (laughs) that made their new year's resolutions so i would say that these republicans sound like on this issue of abortion they're a bit like the new year's resolutions they Mm. they use the words but they don't really mean it from the heart
1: yep agreed so you know that's where we are and look there's going to be a lot of these instances instances i think where um you know i i don't hold out hope that really great bills are going to pass um i i will say though let me in in terms of the house we've got a great freshman class i think I've spoken to a few of them and um there are some bills, you know, there's a bill filed that limits the governor's um, emergency powers, which we've been waiting on. That's finally been, we've got a, a bill filed to secure term limits. Uh, we've got a bill filed that will close the primaries here in the state. So there there are some good bills that have been filed. Mm-hmm. We'll just, we're going to have to, the proof will be in the pudding. Though. right? So uh, make sure you go to TennesseeStands.org and subscribe to our email list and uh, stay watchful. Well, good.
0: Thank you for that, Gary. <clears throat> I think uh, one story I want to make sure we don't miss today, uh, because last week, uh, this is a perfect tie-in. Remember last week, we, we spoke about uh, and made a comparison between the FDA and the FAA. And I'm glad I put a little asterisk by that, because in the middle of that conversation, I said, let it be known that I'm not a—and you can go back and listen to the episode—I'm not a special pleader for the FAA. There's still a government agency. Well, as if on cue— story came out this week about how the FAA basically taking the path of the FDA. Huh. So here's the title of the article. This is written by an author, Steve Kirsch. The FAA has very quietly, tacitly admitted that EKGs of pilots are no longer normal. I saw this article. Yes. So in October of 22, and I'll just just hit the highlights. He's on
1: Substack, right? Yes, that's right. Substack. Yeah. He was also on the "Died Suddenly" movie that Stu Peters put out. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yep. So let me hit the highlights, and I'm going to point out some ironic um, contradictions. I, this story. I'm but, never
1: flying again. By the way, just so you know, <laughs> I'm staying it's, on the ground.
0: It's. I, I won't go that far, but it, I think about it every time I fly. Um, how can you not? <clears throat> Especially by the way, when while we're going through this, flying with pilots whose hearts are. Um, at risk, excuse me. <clears throat> There's also talk about reducing the number of pilots in cockpits to one. Have you seen that?
1: So no backup. Yeah, no backup. So they backup. have a heart attack and, and that's it. That's it. <laughs> Autopilot, baby. Like, that's your only hope. It's,
0: it's insane that those two propositions are proceeding down parallel paths. And this reminds me of everything that the left does, Gary. What happens... Here's a quiz question for you. Very easy one. Okay. What happens when... Leftist policy produces the inevitable results, let's say, in crime. Leftist policy results in more crime. What does the left do?
1: Oh, They defend it. They double down.
0: But they change the definition of crime. Oh, right. right? Of course. In order to make it appear that there's not as much crime, right. right? Well, this is the same thing that has happened with the FAA. So pilots' hearts are being damaged by the mRNA jab. So what do they do? They changed the definition of what a normal EKG is. <laughs> this Gosh. happened in October of 22. Um, in the October 22 version of the FAA guide, <clears throat> excuse me, for aviation medical examiners, the FAA quietly widened the EKG parameters mm. beyond the normal range. So it used to be from, and I don't understand all of this, but it's easy to understand by analogy. They used to have a range of 012 to to 0.2. Now that has been increased from 0.12 to, to 0.3. This this PR, this measure of heart function, which was done for a couple of reasons. One, it was done quietly, which means they knew that they were not they, they were trying to hide something. Right. Think about it if it, if it were COVID, if COVID were the reason that there was myocarditis, they would have been projecting it all over the news. It would have been on the red scroll bar. They would have been saying all of these airlines are losing these pilots because of COVID. Well, COVID happened almost three years ago. Yeah. So at this point, it's obvious that it's not COVID. So the FAA is covering up this information, and the airlines are complicit because they don't want to lose pilots. They If, if they kept the normal range, they would lose probably t- – uh, this this author, Steve – um, his analysis shows probably 20 percent of the pilot workforce would not be able to fly Abnormal. if they kept. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> so a 20 percent decrease in damage to the airline industry. But think of that.
1: I wonder statistically how that translates to the, the, the percentage of probability that an issue might occur.
0: Yeah. Think we have 20 percent of the pilots are flying that otherwise wouldn't have been flying. Right.
1: it have been grounded. <clears throat> yeah
0: which means that perhaps, yeah, who knows what the real math is, but at bottom,
1: the airlines... Which at 20% would mean a huge hit to the bottom line. Yeah,
0: so the airlines have chosen their financial Mm -hmm. security over the passenger safety and security. Mm -hmm. It's it's outrageous that this is happening, and every time you get on an airplane, you have to consider that that's a possibility. Now, with two pilots... I suppose—this is this is funny that we have to talk about it this way—but with two pilots, I suppose we can take a degree of security saying it's probably not going to, to happen to both of them at the same time. Obviously, God has bigger plans, far beyond our imagination. <clears throat> but why do we even have to think that way? Why do we have to say, well, at least there's two pilots up there, so if one has a heart attack, likely to have a heart <laughs> attack. We already know that yeah. there are incidences of planes— that have had pilots' heart attacks while flying and just after landing. Yeah. One guy died. One, one guy died pilot. While flying.
1: If one pilot has a twenty percent higher chance of getting a heart attack, at least we've got a these we've got a backup installed.
0: Yeah. So all that to say, last week's lesson was important vis-a-vis the FAA's traditional role and the National Transportation Safety Board. But with respect to the fact that it is a still a government institution, bingo, here we go. The FAA has proven that they are willing to cover up um, and to take whatever action is necessary to help them cover up the likelihood of death or heart attack myocarditis by mRNA jab.
1: Well, and that redefinition thing, I mean, think back. That's exactly what they did with the PCR tests right mm-hmm. in the middle of COVID. They They expanded the threshold where... You know, where previously the PCR test would have given a negative result, they simply expanded the threshold where now they counted that as a positive result. So the COVID numbers went up.
0: Yeah, they kept running it, running it, running it, running until they got that positive and then they counted it.
1: It's all the same thing.
0: There's another important footnote to this story. I don't know if you saw all of the elites that are flying to Davos to try to tell us how to run our lives and to control the world. You notice that they all demand unvaccinated pilots.
1: I have not seen that. The elite really? that are
0: going to Davos now, so it shows you they're aware <laughs> they don't want to have pilots of their business jets have any chance of this happening. It's, it's again, and, it's, and yet those are the people that are saying the rest of us should be subject to this tyranny. It's, it's maddening, Gary. The, con-
1: the conspiracy theorists were right. They win again.
0: <laughs> What's that old line? What's the difference between the conspiracy and the truth? I don't know. About don't six months. <laughs>
1: That's right. <laughs> oh man. Um, I well, speaking of Davos too, I'm sure. I don't know if anybody. His name's uh, God, what is it? Uh, Ezra Levant or something like that. With uh, it's a hmm. Canadian Canadian reporter from Rebel News. Wait, is he the guy Canada? that
0: cornered? He's the guy Klaus that cornered. The,
1: no, it wasn't Klaus Schwab. It was the CEO of Pfizer. That he cornered oh, right. on Bor- the street, Bor- Borla, yeah, Antonio or Andre, so yeah, something like that, whatever. Uh, but yeah, cornered him on the street in Davos. Man, that was that was classic. Yes. K- so kudos to Ezra, whatever his last name is, from Rebel News. Um, that was awesome.
0: And and this Borla, who has a very deep voice, he sounds like a kind of like a scary monster when he talks. Remember, he still has not himself taken this shot. And they prevented him. We knew that because last year he was prevented from going to Israel because they had a hundred percent vaccine requirement in order to get in the country. And his excuse at the time was, "Well, I wanted to make sure that everyone else got their dose."
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. So save, <laughs> saving the doses, even though twelve billion doses have been dispensed. Yeah, he could, he couldn't globe. hold back he two could. or three for himself. Oh my gosh. Anyway. <clears throat>
0: Another interesting article I think that you'd like to talk about, Gary, because it does relate to Tennessee. Tennessee is one of 17 states, not only among China's, what do we call the friendly, China-friendly states. Tennessee is also one of 17 states that are in a coalition to study this um, pay-per-mile. Um, I saw that tax. Yeah, use, this pay-per-mile uh, road,
1: tax. road use tax.
0: So this is very interesting. With all the hype of electronic vehicles and all the desire to get off of fossil fuels by the left. They are now hit with the inevitable conundrum of they're not getting their fuel tax. Yeah. We're not using (laughs) enough gasoline. No. So now where are we going to get our fuel tax? The people more money, which is interesting. I mean, there's so many problems with this, right? Because first of all, the gas tax is supposed to go to road and bridge construction And we already know that so much of that is wasted on other projects or union pensions, which usually drive these. That's why they run out of money. So that's that's the premise we can't even accept. But let's say for argument's sake that that money is all used for roads and bridges. Well, now they have a real problem. They're pushing, 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 and they've decided, well, we're not going to be able to make the money we've otherwise made. The shortfall, by the way, was – $191 billion, I think, is the current shortfall. But let me talk about the states for a minute. Tennessee is one of 17, and this coalition describes itself as um, they're focused on connecting public agencies, and some of these states, including Oregon, Utah, and uh, Virginia, have already implemented pilot programs. Now, when you dig deep on these pilot programs... What they're finding is the it's all a propaganda campaign because they know that people are concerned about losing their privacy because in order to find out how many – if you're basing the tax off of miles, you have to know how many miles the car is driven. And to know how many miles the cars have driven, of course, you need to be connected to that car wherever it goes, right, right. and where it goes on the map. So in Virginia, they actually say if you drive less than – 11,600 miles. Think of this. You can save money on paying government fees if you just drive less than 11,600 miles. If you so, just don't go anywhere. So, Gary, if you just... <laughs> yeah, if you limit your freedom... That's right. ...you won't have to pay the government these fees. That's do you right. Do you know that user fees for... All of you people out in our audience, and there's probably like one that drive an electric vehicle or that believe in it, realize that you're paying double tax. You're paying the tax for... That everybody else pays that goes into the gas tax, like if you have a hybrid or something like that, but if you drive a vehicle that's too efficient, you also, in states like Virginia, get billed an additional $130 a year or so for having such an efficient vehicle.
1: Yeah, for your (laughs) $70,000 compact car you just bought. So.
0: You've done a favor for the government, right? They're telling you it's good, it's moral, it's virtuous to buy these vehicles. And in
1: five years, you're going to get dinged another 15, 20 grand to replace the battery. Oh by my the gosh. way, For those of you that don't, that it's don't more. Know.
0: Yeah, it's more than that. That uh, where's that article? I don't have it here. Yeah, I, I I think it's some guy got a bill for like seventy grand. It was way more than the
1: value of his car. So worth you know worth noting and all that. You're I'm sitting here thinking, right? And I'm stewing actually over this because. Again, I'm look. I'm just I'm just going to mention his name again because it's it's there. Jack Johnson ran on low, low taxes. All you hear <laughs> of the guy's mouth: low taxes. Low. Well, it's worth noting that you know Jack is majority leader. That's he runs the governor's bills. That's what he does. Well your your Republican governor is pushing, and the legislature will run a bill promoting the promulgation of toll roads. Okay, so by the way, tolls are taxes. Yep. Okay, so number one, your Republican governor is pushing toll roads that you will have to pay to use. (coughs) Secondly, the legislature is introducing a new higher fee for a registration fee for your electric vehicle. So you're going to pay higher fees to register your electric vehicle, and three, we're now going to be paying use taxes for every mile that we drive. But, Kevin, low taxes. Well, But this is the kind of legislation that they're pushing. And earlier I
0: talked about how what they realize they have to do right now is is go through a bunch of propaganda because they know the public is concerned not only with lack of freedom of movement, but the privacy concerns. Two prongs of the argument that this coalition is advancing in order to change people's minds. In fact, they said this has been successful, which is a little bit disturbing. One is apparently people are responsive to the fact that the government is telling them, look, you're already tracked on your phone. You already have GPS in your car, so you're really not giving any more freedom away if we just add this piece. So consider that argument for a minute. It's like saying – it's bad enough already. What's you know, We just throw a little bit of more bad on it. But the other one, the other prong is this old, it's not the government who's going to collect this data, but a third-party contractor.
1: Doesn't that make you feel so much better, so, Kevin?
0: So, just like Twitter...
1: Yeah. Facebook. It's not the government based in China, by the way.
0: It's not the government that's restricting our freedoms. It's 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 Twitter and it's Facebook and they haven't been colluding with the government. We haven't discovered that in all these Twitter
1: file drops. Definitely not.
0: It's 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 at one level, it's kind of humorous if you take away the seriousness of losing your freedom, that people who buy into literally buy into this philosophy of driving an electric vehicle and think that it's virtuous or more virtuous. And in addition to all of the problems...
1: It's going the, to be a hell of a lot more expensive. Yeah,
0: the cost, the destruction to the environment takes 500,000 pounds pa- or tons,
1: 500,000. One, one ton. One ton of Earth... It takes more than that. ...is it's like, moved for every
0: battery. It's like 500,000. Go to the Heartland Institute study. I think it's okay. way more than a ton. Okay. But it's an incredible amount, yes, for every battery... And on top of that, then you're going to have to pay the government more fees because they're not collecting the gas tax. It just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And we're going to be stuck. Can you imagine plugging in? You plug in the entire nation. Where are they going to get the electricity for all of these cars? Which, by the way, takes something like seven or eight hours to charge a car right. to go two or 300 miles. Right. It's just.
1: I had a, uh, actually, this is a true story. I had a friend tell me the other day who had a friend, that he just got, he was so excited, he got one of Ford's brand new, the the F-150, the Lightning, the fully electric Lightning. sissy truck. All right. And the thing's supposed to get 400 miles on a full charge (laughs) on his truck, super excited. Well, he was pulling a boat. Okay, so, but what are you supposed to do with a truck? (laughs) You pull things, all right? He's pulling a boat, and he's in East Tennessee, spending a significant amount of time going uphill on a full charge. He got sixty-one miles. Yeah, it's <laughs> a full charge. And,
0: and so, what did he do? Was he stuck alongside of the road? Did yeah. He make what, do you, it to... what do
1: you do? Are you got to get to charging? I mean, but you go sixty-one miles, and you got to wait. I don't know how long does it take to charge. I, mean, well, I
0: a lot of them seven to eight hours. You can only go a couple of miles if you do like one of these quick over. You know, I gotta charge really quickly. It'll only get you like ten miles or something.
1: Here's what's. I'm I'm thinking as we're talking. I'm thinking about this constitutionally. Here's what's interesting. You understand that that constitutionally, the government is instituted to secure three primary things: life, liberty, and property. Yep. Right. That is what we secure in our law. We have these God-given rights to life, liberty, and property. Well, in the common law, what is liberty? See, liberty is not – people get that – liberty is not just whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. Liberty primarily was locomotion, mm-hmm. the the ability to go from one place to another. Right. The government's not supposed to impede that. I mean think about that. Think about our entire government is structured as such constitutionally to protect life, locomotion, liberty, locomotion, and property. Right. And think about these laws that we're passing now, these electric vehicles and toll roads and usage fees and all to, to do what, Kevin? That, that will, in effect, limit locomotion, will make locomotion more expensive.
0: Right. With the end being you're trapped in your location, you're trapped in your home, you're trapped in your community. We know this, that this is their desire, too, because many city planners are talking about making everything within walking distance so that people don't have to drive right they offer it as if it's a a benefit to people but the point is to keep them contained within this little community well i'm going to make i'm going to extend this even thir- further let's go back to our faa discussion what do you think is the natural result of pilots who have myocarditis and are going to have increased incidence of heart attacks while flying what's going to happen
1: reduced locomotion
0: yeah because a either pilots are going to be sick and not be able to fly or there's going to be a couple of major aircraft disasters that are going to frighten people from wanting to fly the end effect is the same right people are not flying and the government's like well we didn't want you to fly anyway they, they were trying to I- impose this kind of restriction when they suggested that burning of fossil fuels is bad of course for us not for them they can fly off to davos with their unvaccinated pilots burning all of that carbon, right? But we can't be free to travel about. So in a way, this is this will reduce air travel and I don't think that that's not don't think that that's not intentional.
1: I'm going to go down the rabbit trail a little bit. Literally I'm 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 am thinking of I'm putting all this together. All right, so bear with me. Mm-hmm. Literally right now in the free state of Tennessee. So think about this. We literally a a federal and state constitutional duty to secure life, liberty and property, three things. Right now, I can name you bills in all three categories that will restrict all three of those things. All right? All right. So well, so life. Name them. Well, well we just talked about life. the abortion. We're, we're going to yep. be restricting, you know, our abortion law. So we're we're fudging on life.
0: The tolls is the liberty.
1: We got mm-hmm. tolls, your usage taxes, property. I literally just saw a bill today. That currently the state law, annexation has been a huge topic over the last few years here in Tennessee because we've we've got a lot of development mm-hmm. happening, right? And there currently is a state law that if a municipality is going to consider annexation— they have to have a master use plan in place that shows the use of those annexed areas. Mm -hmm. Uh, That master use plan is a state requirement for the municipality. All right. This bill that I just read today is removing Uh, the requirement of a municipality to have a master use plan to put up a vote for annexation. So it's lowering the threshold for annexation.
0: Which, you know, the principal target is that... There's
1: places like Williamson County yeah, Div- that are growing. Dav-
0: Davidson has for a long time, as long as I've lived here, 31 years, they have had their eyes on annexing Williamson County because the money in Williamson County they need to replenish, all the money that they have spent and wasted on public works projects... In Davidson County, they've, they've fried their tax base. So where are they going to go? I mean, ultimately, they want to get all the surrounding counties. But the target is Williamson County because of the amount of wealth and money here. And I've told my children for a number of years, I said, it's going to happen. I don't know when, but eventually we are going to be part of the greater Nashville jurisdiction. And that's it's all going to be about sucking our tax
1: yeah. dollars. So life, liberty and property. <laughs> property. And right now, in the free state of Tennessee, in the red Republican state of Tennessee, these bills—by the way, Kev—I'm going to tell you one more interesting piece of news. All of those bills I just talked to you about mm-hmm. are sponsored by Republicans, not Democrats. So
0: we know what Jack is sponsoring. Who's sponsoring this annexation? <clears throat> I, I
1: I believe it is Weem Lambert in the House. But I you're not think. certain, so we I'm need not, to. I'm not certain. Don't
0: hold us to that. Check I'm not it certain. out. Okay. Yeah. I, how do we end on a positive note? It makes it sound like we're in the communist state of California sometimes. Well,
1: I mean, look, <clears throat> we're hey, – hey, I have met I, – I promise you, I, I am not fudging the numbers here. I, I don't want to say thousands. I say hundreds, but it's in somewhere between 1,000 and 2,000, apps with certainty. I have shaken hands. With real men and women who have recently, that have come to our events, that have recently moved here from California. And they look me in the eye and they say, Gary, what the hell is going Mm -hmm. on? Because everything that is happening right now in the state of Tennessee, this was what we were fighting, you know, 15, 20 years ago in California. And now it's all gone and I, I, I've I've sold everything. I've done everything I can to to come to Tennessee mm-hmm. to preserve some resemblance of what I knew of America. And for you know for right now it feels that way. Right. Yet I'm now back to fighting the same fights that I was fighting in California <clears throat> that I just left because we lost all of those fights. Gary, please don't let us lose those fights here in Tennessee.
0: And the demographics are changing. Not only from states, but they're also changing because of these flights in the night that are dropping illegals yeah, in our Chattanooga. Midst. Yeah, yeah, everything they can do to dilute. So we already know our sovereignty. Yeah, we already know that our government in the state of Tennessee is not Republican in principle. Right? They're definitely rhinos. Definitely Republican in name only. But our, the people of Tennessee are still rather red by nature. But that is changing, too, deliberately and by intention of the federal government, and our state is not doing anything about it. I mean, you'll get – the governor will say something so he can get an appearance on Hannity to argue against it, but there's no teeth behind it. He's not really taking action. Again, it reminds me that the only state currently that seems to be making progress against the advance of the enemy and pushing back on all of these issues is the great state of Florida, Florida, Ron DeSantis. Yeah,
1: 100%. Well, you know that's that's where we are, and uh, again, I'm going to say it again. Subscribe to our email list because we're going to be putting out action alerts on all these things. And uh, Kevin, I want to make sure I told you I got a, I got an email about our last episode. You know, and 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 give you all the credit. You uh, you brought up the idea of really juxtaposing the whole black box deal, uh-huh. you know, with the FAA and <clears throat> FDA. Why do why do we why does the FAA want to know what's going to be the FDA? Did someone email and said you know what? I love that episode. That was a really astute observation. So good good on you, Kevin.
0: Okay, as long that as that—well, thank you—but as long as the person who recognized that doesn't hold me accountable, knowing what we know now about the FAA, which is yeah. they really don't care about safety, at least when it comes to that issue of mRNA. Well,
1: again, the jab. Yeah, yeah. No, they, they care about, I guess— I don't know, something blowing up, but as to whether or not their pilot's going to drop dead of a heart attack mid-flight, they don't seem to care all All, that much. Yeah, all they will say is, why did the plane wreck? Oh, the pilot had a
0: heart attack. Yeah. They won't ask the secondary question, which is, why did the pilot have a heart attack? everybody has heart attacks now. You can't blame (laughs) us for this. Uh, are we alone? I think we need a refrain of that song as we go out because I've got a comment.
1: Oh, I'm going to sing again.
0: So <clears throat> no, you don't have to sing.
1: I'm feeling but it.
0: We need to let Ron DeSantis know that he is not alone. He's not alone, right? We're with you, Ron. We need to let the others in Tennessee know that they are not alone. But if these legislators and this governor keep acting the way that they're acting, they are going to be left
1: alone. That's right.
0: On my own. <laughs> That's not bad. That's not bad,
1: Gary. Ah, well, I'm gonna stop now. That's just so embarrassing. See you next week. (laughs) Next week, y'all.
0: If you'd like to learn more about Tennessee Stands, visit tennesseestands.org to donate, volunteer, or get more information about what we're doing to preserve liberty for the people of Tennessee. You can also follow along on all social platforms at Tennessee Stands. As Thomas Paine reminded us, those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must, like men, undergo the fatigue of supporting it.